0: Hi everybody and welcome to Therefore a Geek episode number 121. I'm Andrew. I'm dude. And today we have a whole pretty full schedule here. Uh, our big topic for today is going to be Netflix's new Castlevania series. Oh yeah. Uh, however, mm-hmm. there is all kinds of news this week.
1: We are literally going to shove 10 pounds of shit into a five-pound bag in this episode, aren't we?
0: I mean, I do that daily when I put my pants on. Oh, that's true. You got
1: practice at this. I don't. I do. I I have a lot of practice at this.
0: There's a lot of news coming out of D23, the big Disney expo this weekend. There is a new Doctor Who announcement as of this morning. Breaking news. Breaking news. I'm trying to remember what else you had.
1: I have Quentin Tarantino's (laughs) new project. I don't think biopic is the right word, but historical drama on the Manson family murders, the the Tate-LaBianca murders. And Matt Reeves dumps Ben Affleck's script for the Batman. We have been covering the long and troubled history behind the scenes of the Batman movie that just just does not seem like this is going to end well at all for anyone involved, but mostly viewers.
0: You know, as a side note to that, you know, we've talked a lot about like reshoots and things like that. Oh, yeah. You know, Wonder Woman only had one scene reshot.
1: Okay, see? See? And it worked for them. Right. right.
0: They, they did. They reshot one scene, that's it.
1: Yeah, generally reshoots are planned because you've got these giant tent poles and something just doesn't look coming out of the dailies, like look right coming out of the dailies. When you start hearing about 30% of the film being reshot, that's when you have to worry. Yeah. Like one reshoot? Okay. Yeah, whatever. Happens. That's a thing. That happens.
0: Yeah. All right, so let's jump into it. Tell, tell, me, tell me about
1: Batman here. So let's start, this is from Variety. Director Matt Reeves says he's tossing out Ben Affleck's old script for The Batman and starting fresh. So a little bit of background on this. Ben Affleck was originally supposed to star, produce, and direct. And write the Batman. And then as production and pre-production went on, he starts to spin off some of his responsibilities to other people. Most notably, he stepped down as director in January and was replaced very quickly by Matt Reeves, who you may be familiar with if you liked the movie Cloverfield, the original Cloverfield with the monster, the cam, not the, uh, was it nine Cloverfield Lane or the upcoming space Cloverfield? Movie, whatever the heck that's gonna be. Uh, Now we're finding out, this is coming to us from Variety July 13th, that Matt Reeves has just dumped the entire script and is starting all over again. Now keep in mind, Ben Affleck is staying on as producer and he's staying on as star, but basically he is no longer directing and his script is now kiboshed. And this is in a long, long tradition of this particular production being plagued with all sorts of mega changes to the production before any film even gets rolling.
0: I mean, it'll be really interesting to see what what this final project or final the final product turns into. Honestly, I'm I will be surprised if Affleck stays on.
1: I will be too, and what I won't be surprised at is that in a couple of years, you and I will be doing a podcast on a documentary called "The Death of the Batman." Like, right. I, I have a feeling that we are watching in real time what happened to uh, Superman Lives. 20 years ago at this point it's possible mhm and it's just unfortunate it's just one of those things and, and like you know People who listen to our pa- podcast on the death of Superman lives should go back and listen to the podcast and listen to that uh, move- watch that movie because one of the key insights that I took from the film was that when you do these giant tent poles that have big name people attached to them, that's when stuff gets crazy. And Ben Affleck's a big enough name, and if the studio is you know weak-kneed enough for these kind of problems to start to happen. One would think after the success of Wonder Woman that you would allow guys like Ben Affleck who have a fairly good proven track record making movies yeah. to be fairly honest to just let him do his thing and just and see what you get but it seems that warner brothers is just not willing to let go of bad habits themselves
0: yeah there's that kind of building on what you're saying for the death of superman it's i think it was tim burton who said you know little small movies with you know with no name people don't end up end up in developmental hell movies mm-hmm. end up in developmental hell only when they have big names and big egos attached to them yep yeah and, and we've got a lot of big names and big egos attached to this one
1: yes very much so were you you weren't part of the podcast a couple of weeks ago but when that kerfuffle occurred over the salaries for henry cavill and gal Gadot about uh, who was making money, and, and they got the back-end and front-end salaries confused. Right. At the bottom of that a Hollywood Reporter was like, the real big winner is, uh, oh, crap, what's the guy's name now? Peter, the guy, the producer who's supposed to make P- uh, Superman Lives. Now I'm forgetting his name. Peter's, oh. the crazy one who yeah, like, gets yeah, into yeah. fights. Yeah. Like They actually mentioned, like, he's the big winner because he's made, like, $80 million off Man of Steel and just stuff like that because he was supposed to have the rights to it. I, and that's just one of those things where I'm like, God, that guy... He just he doesn't really do anything, he just keeps winning. Yeah, no, that 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 guy that guy's impressive.
0: Especially because he started out as a fucking hairdresser.
1: Yeah, a crazy one too. Like just yeah. insane. All right. Uh the only other thing I've got is Quentin Tarantino, who I have a big fan of. Now apparently, if you don't know this, Quentin Tarantino has said publicly that he is going to retire after 10 movies. I don't know if I believe that, because he is currently up to 8 right now. Yeah, I was kind of uh, wondering if, wondering what your thoughts on that were. I don't believe it, but but who knows? Because I, I don't know what he's going to do next. Maybe he will finally become the novelist he's, he's told everyone he wants to become. But movie number 9, he will explore, uh, this again Quote uh, coming from Variety, uh july 11th uh tarantino's next film will explore one of the most infamous murders of all time sources tell variety that tarantino's upcoming movie which the filmmaker has already written and will direct will focus on the manson family murders now right now we don't have any casting officially attached to it but the word is according to the variety article that margot robbie and jennifer lawrence both of whom i think would be great uh are, are considered for the role of sharon tate and Brad Pitt is being approached to play Vincent Burgosley, uh, who I think I'm saying that name right. And he was the lawyer who prosecuted the Manson family, which I'm also excited with. I thought Brad Pitt, for the, my mixed feelings about Inglorious Bastards, I was not mixed feelings about Brad Pitt in Inglorious Bastards. I thought he was great. And I think doing a r- real life story will constrain some of quentin tarantino's insanity craziness that yeah he tends <laughs> that even i as a fan will admit he gets wrapped up into and i know what you're thinking right away and some critics have pointed this out already that world war ii was a historical event and he didn't seem to care for accuracy either but i, I have a feeling that this will be a little bit different yeah so i'm excited I'm, I'm, what do you think
0: uh, I'm, I'm certainly not the Tarantino fan that you are. I mean, I appreciate some of his movies. Obviously, I really like Pulp Fiction. Reservoir Dogs is pretty good. Jackie Brown was really good.
1: That's still my favorite. Still. I think Pulp still like
0: Fiction's it. my favorite, but Jackie Brown's a close second. Yeah. I didn't really care all that much for Inglorious Bastards, honestly.
1: Same here. Same here. I, I really thought it was like 50% good. It was two movies in one. I agree. Yeah.
0: I didn't see Hateful Eight, and I actually enjoyed Django more, far more than I thought I would. I really liked Django.
1: I really did. I had a lot of fun with that one.
0: I liked. I think the people involved were really good.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, he gets good. Say what you want about his movies. He does get good stuff out of his actors, which is what I appreciate the most.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think we'll just kind of have to see, you know, what kind of comes out of it.
1: I do feel like we talked about this a few times before with Dunkirk, how I felt currently the only director who could pull off a movie like Dunkirk would be a guy like Chris Nolan. Yeah. I feel like there's one director who could really make the Manson movies, like a Manson family movie, really work. It would be Tarantino. Because it just—it seems like a proper connection. I think. The
0: two. I think he could either make it work, or he's going to be way the fuck off the deep end, like just completely lunatic. I don't it think could, there's going mean, to be any middle ground well on that case. one.
1: You, it could very well be the case. But I'll say this much: him off the deep end with a Manson movie, I will pay to see. <laughs> which That is a that's something I'm going to have to watch. <laughs> I mean, really, even if you don't like it, you're just going to have to see this. Yeah. I mean, the, yeah. Like it was gonna, the closest we we got to kind of a Manson ish movie that I can think of in recent years was uh, Devil's Rejects, which was like loosely based. The, the whole cast of characters were loosely based on Manson's. Yeah, I never saw that. It's not that good. I'm not. I mean, I'm not a big horror fan, so. It's not even that much of a horror movie. True. It really isn't. It's more of like an on-the-run action. It's the ending sucks anyway. So. But I, I am excited about it. I think this will be fun to watch.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, Tarantino in a lot of ways is you know a very good director. So, we'll, yeah, we'll definitely have to look into it further. Oh, yeah. There was, I love uh, Clerks the Cartoon describes Tarantino, though. They're, they're just talking about something. It was, and it was the deranged imagination of a pop culture junkie loudmouth. Yeah. And everyone goes, what? What do you mean, Quentin Tarantino? Like, that was, <laughs> like every character who, who, who heard that line, that was their response to it, it was great.
1: Oh, yeah. It, I remember, you remember that show Entourage. Vincent was going to do a commercial. With some uh, Hong Kong director, and Ari is trying to come. He's like, No, 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 you do the commercial with this guy because, like, he's a big deal in Hong Kong. Even Tarantino is stealing his stuff. And, like, E is like, Oh, he must be good if Tarantino's stealing from him.
0: I remember that episode. Yeah. And it was like a yeah. super, like, weird uh, like soda commercial or something. Exactly.
1: Yeah, Yeah, that
0: was really cool, though. That
1: was funny. All right, so let's talk about D12, because I don't know anything about D23. D23.
0: D23 is basically Disney's big convention expo. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of ways, now that Disney owns Lucasfilm and owns Marvel, they've really started to eschew San Diego Comic-Con, which is this coming weekend, and Mm -hmm. they do all their big announcements at D23. Mm -hmm. So there have been all kinds of big announcements. First off... For Avengers Infinity War, we got to see an actual, uh yeah, the Infinity Gauntlet. Josh Brolin was doing some, some signings and holding it up. We saw Thanos' Black Order, which is a, a number of other villain characters who are going to be fighting beside uh, Thanos.
1: Can you give us a couple of their names?
0: Proxima Midnight, Corvus Glaive, Black Maw, and Black Dwarf. They're characters who came out in the Hickson Avengers run uh, in the Infinity event about three four years ago now and they're basically like thanos's generals
1: black maw and black dwarf coincidentally great porno title wow
0: <laughs> damn dude
1: <laughs> he's scratching his head on that uh, yeah I, I can see him
0: yeah uh let's see what else there is uh mark ruffalo has basically come out and said there won't be a solo hulk hulk film
1: which i'm grateful for
0: <laughs> well it's funny that Mar- which, mark damn. ruffalo he, he was kind of making fun of so apparently universal actually has the rights for a solo Hulk film, Mm. and he's like, I don't know, apparently Universal doesn't want to make money. Beats me. Yeah, right. Disney is a fairly substantial Marvel expansion of... California Adventure. We've also seen some models of Star Wars land at Hollywood Studios in uh Orlando. Am I the only one who finds the like the fact that Hollywood Studios is in Orlando slightly ironic?
1: I do. I was actually going to ask you about that one. That's, <laughs> that's just a Hollywood Studios. That just hit Orlando. that just
0: hit me. Yeah. Disney's not doing any Marvel expansions in Florida, interestingly enough, because Universal Studios has the rights for Marvel characters in Florida. That's, that's just weird.
1: <laughs> Isn't that I, mean, weird? I mean, it all goes
0: back to, to Disney's bankruptcy in the late 90s. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's why they sold off the right, the film rights for, for like X Men and stuff, mm-hmm. is because that that kept them out of out of from going
1: out of business. Did Disney's bankruptcy or Universal's bankruptcy?
0: No, no, no Marvel's. Marvel's
1: bankruptcy. Okay.
0: Yeah, and then there's also going to be a new Star Wars themed hotel for Disney. I believe at Disney World. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically it's actually, they are they are going for as totally immersive as possible so guests will actually be involved in their own storylines
1: <laughs> that's intense
0: yeah but i'm already putting money away for it
1: oh yeah yeah yeah. No, this is something that's got to be tried at least once
0: this, this is I, be- becky put it up on on the on our facebook page on the therefore geek facebook page and it really is a shut up and take my money kind of moment
1: oh yeah do you remember years and years ago one of the hotels in las vegas did the star trek experience did you ever do that? They you ever did that for that? a
0: long time. I did not because I, I've actually never been to Vegas, this, well, period, actually. Oh. But yeah, it was the, I was in the MGM Grand, I think.
1: Yeah, I don't remember which hotel, but I actually, my folks and I did it because when I was growing up, our vacation was to Wildwood, and then my dad like moved up in his in his career, and we started going to Vegas, and one of the things we went to was the Star Trek experience. Again, if it's the MGM Grand, fine. I have no idea. We yeah. was too young. But I do remember it how they had guys dressed up in, uh, you know, Klingon makeup and Ferengi makeup and these guys, they would go around and crack jokes and stuff like that. And I do remember they must the actors who do these live experience things must have multiple jobs at multiple hotels, because at the same time, there was this pirate experience at the other hotel where like if you were on the sidewalk, you would pass by a giant pirate ship. And then at certain times of the evening, they would do a show. Like yeah, right there, and one of the Klingons said like "army" or something like that, and my mom was like, "Oh, that actor's in the wrong mode right now." Yep, that's good
0: though. Yeah, so there's that. So he a lot. I mean, a lot of Disney, Marvel, and Star Wars related stuff. They showed some Star Wars footage and a trailer for Infinity War at mm-hmm. D23. So you know, certainly by sometime in the middle of. Not this week, but the week after, after San Diego. I'm sure that shit will be all over the internet. Oh, yeah. Looking forward to that. Uh, some new Star Wars posters, too. I mean, yeah, just all kinds of, you know, anything Disney Disney owned, they they were putting stuff out at. Um, casting announcements for the live-action um, Aladdin film. So, Will Smith is going to play the genie. Mm-hmm. Um, and some more information on Incredibles 2, which I'm looking forward to a lot. Mm-hmm. That, first, that first movie was really funny. And then, obviously, the last thing we've got today, before we get into Castlevania, is the fact that we have... a a 13th doctor and the 13th doctor is a woman Jody Whitaker yeah Jody Jody uh, yeah, Whitaker is the 13th Doctor and she will be taking over from Peter Capaldi Christmas of 2017 when Capaldi steps down which is kind of the traditionally when they switch doctors is after the Christmas specials
1: do they, do they only do it for one year or how, how, how long does a doctor usually stay on for the show I don't, uh, I I don't know think anything Capaldi... about this show I don't know I'm not a fan so I don't I watched maybe one episode so you're going to have to carry me through this part what's the what's the tradition for switching doctors uh,
0: Capaldi has been on for uh three seasons. I think Matt Smith was on for Matt Smith and um Matt Smith and David Tennant were on for a combined of seven and then the eighth the the ninth doctor only was on for a season. It really depends on on the actor.
1: Mm, okay.
0: I know, I can't, I'm drawing a blank on his name. The ninth doctor uh, intentionally chose to leave after a season so he didn't get typecast.
1: Uh, to, is that the Tom Baker?
0: No. What's it?
1: Christopher Eccleston.
0: Yeah, Christopher Eccleston. There we Eccleston. go. Yeah, he, he intentionally left after a season so he didn't get uh, typecast. And of course the Internet up being the internet. You know, people are reacting in various ways. When Capaldi was cast, there was actually a lot of talk about why they didn't cast a female doctor then. And I
1: I actually remember that. Yeah. I didn't know what people were talking about either. I had no idea. Yeah, so... Just to be fair, I still don't really know what yeah. people were talking
0: I mean, I'm I'm really behind. I think I'm only like part of the way through the Matt, Matt Smith years which is just which is fine i mean i'm not a huge huge doctor who fan i enjoyed it but, but yeah i mean this is, this is an interesting interesting step forward and we'll see how it goes i mean uh, a friend of ours actually posted you know people are like losing their minds over oh there's a female doctor you know you can't do that whatever and he posted up a picture of uh starbuck from the original battle star and the starbuck from the new one who's obviously played by a female he said hey it's already worked shut up
1: oh that's not a good argument if you if you if you're from my perspective because uh i hated that starbuck
0: you hated that series in general
1: i like the first season and half half of the second and then the rest of it is garbage as far as
0: well i'm, I'm not disagreeing with you i mean it, it, it <laughs> no battle to galactica jumped the shark and then jumped it a couple more times in case you missed the first one
1: <laughs> and landed on the shark and then the shark ate it, and spit it out, and then something else ate it.
0: Yeah, it was... That show had a lot of promise, in my opinion, and, and didn't necessarily deliver in the ways I wanted it to. And it had a really difficult time. They'd f- come up come up with a cool concept, and then latch onto to it like, you know, they were going to... Like, it was the only sustenance they had. So like and was, I'll
1: be fair, I haven't seen that show in years. All I remember is how it made me feel... <laughs> Like, I don't remember any details of it other than, like, oh, this is all right. And then it's like, no, no, none of this is fine. I'm stop, No. Yeah.
0: You know, well, so I mean, it's kind of, it. of we'll, have, we'll have to see how it goes. I, I don't think... It's going to be that big a deal honestly. I think you're I think probably right. It's fine. They've had good doctors, they've had bad doctors, you know, when when you've had 13 of them plus John Hurt. <laughs> technically, yeah, so technically 14, you know.
1: All right, so let's go right into Castlevania.
0: So do what did you think? You are so you, you are a bigger anime fan than I am.
1: So I do I do like anime, and I'll be honest, I have been a bit out of the loop when it comes to anime. Like I was really into it like 15 years ago. Yeah. 17 years ago, like really into it. And then I kind of dropped out. But then I heard this Castlevania was was coming out and Warren Ellison is the writer. Uh, uh, Warren Ellis. Warren Ellis, sorry, Warren Ellis. Like, I always get those two confused. Who I do like as a writer. He does a lot of neat stuff with Avatar, the, the comic publisher Avatar. And I've never really played the game. I know of the game. It's a platform game that is, from what I understand of its reputation, it has a reputation for being super difficult.
0: Like, well, really difficult. It's just, it's one of the classic, you know, side-scroller platformer games. It goes back to the original Nintendo. Mm-hmm. It's kind of one of, one of the staples. It goes, you know, Mario Brothers, Castlevania metroid
1: that kind of game and with video games in general any kind of adaptation is suspect. generally questionable so yeah really sus. that's a better word suspect and for four episodes then that's it each one being your standard 22 25 minute length i have to admit i enjoyed it i really didn't have an episode I went, well this is stupid or get to the point or this is ridiculous and Again, being someone who doesn't know the lore or or have ever played the games ever, coming into it completely cold, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. I like the voice cast. The main character is a guy named Trevor Belmont, and it's voiced by Rich, Richard uh, Armitage, yep. who we will know as Thorin from the Hobbit trilogy. And then a number of other voice actors who, uh, I don't know. But I thought the voice cast was overall really good. The animation, very good. I really appreciate this kind of animation. Anime got weird somewhere along the lines and and it was just didn't have the tangibility that anime from about 15 years ago had i really really liked the animation and i enjoyed the just overall graphic content of the subject matter and uh visuals so I have to say, for four episodes, this felt like more of like a, a pilot series than it did a full and complete show. I enjoyed this one. I I had a lot of fun. It's it's a very easy investment. It's basically I mean I mean what a little over an hour and fifteen minutes or an hour and ten minute movie.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it it basically runs about as long as a movie. It was actually written back in like 2007 by Ellis, who is also one of my favorite writers. He wrote uh, Transmetropolitan, mm-hmm. which is. Still at the top, at or towards the top of my my favorite comics list ever. It was actually written as like a, like how DC does their direct to DVD releases. It was written like one of those. So, you know, the intention of it being like an hour and a half. Actually, it's almost a
1: solid, yeah, 90 minutes now that I think about it. It's, uh,
0: I mean, 25 minutes of pop. It's 100 minutes, yeah. so it's an hour 40. Yeah, yeah but I mean, yeah, it's, a, it's a solid hour 40. It really sets everything up. I kind of wanted a little more plot, but I'm okay with, with what we got because I know there's a second season coming.
1: Sure. Yeah, I was the same way. This really just felt like it was setting up the team. Had a super, super rudimentary plot. You know, Dracula gets a wife. They rush that real quick. It's like, okay, Chick walks into Dracula's castle. Uh, Then they get married, and then she gets burned as a witch, and then Dracula unleashes all hell on this Fictitious world.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's loosely based on Castlevania Three. Is that what it is? Okay. Yeah. So they've got some of the same characters, like Alucard, who, mm-hmm. who we we see or we get really introduced to in the last episode as the son of Dracula. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a great fight, by the way, between Trevor and Alucard.
1: I thought, yeah, the, the whole way that everything was choreographed was excellent. It, really, you get to see the action and enjoy it at the same time.
0: Well, it's that, and also like there were some there were some video game touches in there. Don't appears and does like a fast movement mm-hmm. that's something you know, I haven't played a whole lot of Castlevania, but then I know that's something out of the game. Okay. But they took it and, and they made it work. I think it's really great all around. Yeah, it's kind of violent, so if you've got little kids, don't let them watch it. But I think the level of... I mean, vi- kind of violent.
1: It's like blood blood, and guts and eating babies and stuff. It's pretty hardcore. I think
0: the I think the, the level of violence, though, works for the content. Like, it's not mm-hmm. bloody for no reason, and it's not... It, 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 it fits the story, which is what always kind of... Oh, of, of, course one of it ab- absolutely does but it's, you know it's but that's it's kind of a, yeah but that's kind of a beef of mine is when you know either you're like oh well i mean this doesn't really fit the story it's kind of they kind of half-assed it or this is bloody for no good reason so like, I, I was with some coworkers last night and we were watching john wick 2 and i remember like you and i talked about that and it was like i enjoy john wick 2 but it was definitely like a very soft rated r mm-hmm. i was kind of expecting that out of out of this too, because it's Netflix. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't expecting I wouldn't call it hardcore violence, but you know that level of violence out of them. And, and sure as shit, there it was. and like I said, it really fit.
1: Oh yeah, I will always maintain that being gruesome for gruesome's sake is good enough reason, at least when I'm watching something. Yeah, that explains why I, 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 I do believe there is an art to being <laughs> gruesome, and and sometimes if you can, if you art for art's sake is perfectly okay.
0: <laughs> that's one. That's one way to look at it. So what did you think of the, of the voice acting in general? I I really enjoyed it. There's a few a few people whom. I'm familiar with Graham McTavish, Tony Amendola, and uh, Matt Fure. Uh, fewer. fewer? Fewer. Yeah, I
1: can't. There's fewer Matt's than that Matt. Yeah, yeah. So it was Matt last.
0: All three of those are actors who I'm at least in part familiar with. Tony Amendola was on uh, Stargate, and um, Matt, whose name I. Lo- name I can't pronounce he's done all kinds of things he was in um Watchmen as Moloch he was also like years and years ago when we were kids he did the cat in the hat in the in search of Dr. Seuss documentary mm. if, if you saw him in person and like not in person but like you saw him and heard his actual voice since the one he's not doing like voiceover work you'd recognize him
1: oddly enough I was watching this with the girl and and she recognized his voice almost right away the only movie that I'm familiar with him being in was uh 50 when Joseph Gordon-Levitt gets its cancer but yeah. i don't i don't remember a minute so the only the only voice actor in this one that i knew off the top of my head was uh richard armitage yeah again I which i i thought they all did a good job i thought it, it worked i like a couple of years ago there was a movie called uh vampire hunter d something something i it was it, there was two vampire hunter d movies that i'm aware of and one of them it was like an anime but they did it with american voice actors first and i like it when they do that and that's kind of the way it felt here and i and i hope they i i thought they were going to continue this that tradition after vampire Entity, but then again nobody saw it so yeah
0: Ooh. uh Graham mctavish
1: oh it was bloodlust vampire D bloodlust
0: yeah uh Gra- was- Graham mctavish he was dwelling in in the hobbit trilogy but he was also the, the saint of killers in preacher
1: oh real the movie the tv show yeah which i still have to watch
0: yeah i mean he's done a lot of stuff in here mm-hmm. he's kind of like i mean it's like a lot of voiceover stuff but i've seen him honestly where i, where I recognize his name for most is i've just seen him at conventions as a as a guest mm-hmm. so 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 what are you what are you looking forward to about this for the first the second season which is uh not not out till 2018
1: yeah i'm looking forward to them at least expanding the story a little bit and and working on this universe because it, it's not Transylvania, so it, it's modeled, I guess, after you know Baltic or Eastern European countries. Except everyone's got a British accent. So I'd like to see the universe expand a little bit more, and just what kind of voice actors and, and characters they can add to this. Because again. I don't know anything about the series. I never played the game. So, I, is is there a character that we should be looking forward to? Is there events? Are they going to try and model certain parts of the story over the video games? Or are they going to really just take the skeleton of the story or the idea of this world and go somewhere creative with it? Because I think, I think it's, a, I think that'd be a good idea because. Again, anything adapted by video game, you know, from a video game is usually terrible. And I'm very excited for the prospect that something adapted from a video game won't be complete and utter crap. Like I would just want to bear witness to that. It's like you know, landing on Mars. That's just it. Just doesn't happen.
0: Yeah, I, I want to say Alucard is probably the you know, the one I was looking forward to just to kind of see what they do with the character. Again, I'm not overly familiar with it, but that's just kind of an interesting character to me.
1: Who's the Who's the guy you play as in the game? Is it? I, I thought it was Alucard is the guy you played as, but is it Trevor?
0: You play Who's- as Alucard in, in other games, but in, I think, the one specifically that this is based on you play as Trevor Belmont. Okay. In, in general, you play as, for the most part, you play as some member of the Belmont family at one point in time or another. I mean, okay. the series ranges over the course of, in general, over the course of three or 400 years. Okay. I mean, the one that I think goes back to the original game is Simon Belmont. Mm-hmm. And he, I remember he was actually a character in an old Nintendo video game cartoon, like Saturday morning cartoon way back when he was a, a kind of a, a character in an ensemble uh, huh. cast but yeah you typically play as, as a member of the belmont family i'm, I'm looking forward to it i like i mean I like what they've done with the plot in general i think- I think, you know, Trevor, Trevor, the outcast and whatnot. And just, I think that character worked, you know, we've seen it before, sure. But I think, it, I think they did a good job with it.
1: Well, it's funny. Like the that character is genuinely funny. And that's what I appreciate is he's yeah. it's actually got, the show's got a sense of humor to it that I did really appreciate.
0: Yeah. And that I wasn't expecting either.
1: No, it took me by surprise too. But I I was like, okay, I'm okay with this.
0: Yeah. He, he can he can go ahead and crack jokes. That that's mm-hmm. fine. But then yeah, when it comes down to business, that dude is a no shit badass.
1: Yeah, I appreciated that. He was like, okay, this guy kind of sucks. But then all of a sudden, he's like whooping the shit out of dudes, and I'm like,
0: yeah, when he kind of cool. I think the best one was when he took on the Cyclops and like mid air kicks the knife back. Like he throws the knife and he's like, ah oh, crap, I missed. <laughs> so he takes it takes the whip, whips you know latches onto the the, the blade, pulls it out and like. Does all kinds of shit with it, but then m- jumps up midair, kicks it back right into the Cyclops' eye. I was like, that's pretty sick.
1: Yeah, it definitely, you know, that kind of anime over-the-top skills that we've yep. all come to love.
0: Yeah, that and the fact that pretty much everyone in this universe is not afraid to kick another guy in the nuts
1: oh yeah that was a thing just people getting sh- just all sorts of nut shots
0: I love what he did to Alucard and he's like please
1: let's, <laughs> I know. I, let's, let's, let's have some class
0: yeah let's, let's this is not a bar fight let's have some class <laughs> It was <laughs> like could. huh even the, even the vampire gets a, gets a funny every now and again yeah so uh, this is a this is a really good series I mean if you're if you're into anime if you're into video games or quite honestly if you're into the work of Warren Ellis this is definitely something to check out
1: definitely highly recommend I hope, therefore I geek stamp of approval
0: I'm really hoping that Warren Ellis is also on board for the next season but unfortunately as much as I like his work Warren Ellis has this habit especially with comics of like starting something for like three or four issues like stamping his name to it and then letting someone else take over especially with like the avatar stuff yeah like there was a a series I started reading there Jennifer Blood I think Mm -hmm. about like a like a housewife who's actually like there's no like badass like assassin it's like oh this is pretty good and then like I knew the issue when Warren Ellis dropped off because the quality of the writing felt a shit Mm.
1: and it was like well I'm done I know he's executive producer and he's he did write this first season so i if anything i'm certain he'll stick around yeah but like you said he wrote the first producer.
0: season back in like 2007 this is true so yeah we'll kind of have to see I, i'm hopeful i said i mean i love his work so if he's not i'm still gonna watch it but i'm just i'm hoping that we don't get a get a, dr- a steep drop off
1: yeah yeah definitely
0: all right so dude what have you been into this week
1: this week i actually kind of went back to comics i tracked we last week we talked about divided states of hysteria and the cover controversy and the kind of you know, rambling critique that was made of the covers in the book. And I was like, well, people are all freaking out over it and boycotting it. Then that means I need to buy it. And actually, it took a second to track it down because I went to other stores. They didn't have it. I actually find it took it took me a minute to track it. And I only found issue one. And I read through it. And it's OK. There's nothing really spectacular about it. I don't know why people are freaking out except over covers because the content just nothing special. It's just about a CIA agent trying to bring down terrorists and everyone's a dick in it. So, I mean, that sounds like, with the exception
0: of the, the the CIA part, that sounds like Howard Shakin's work.
1: Yeah, it's just so there was, I mean, it's politically charged. And if you read the the back of the comic, there's an essay that's almost as rambling and diatriple as the article that we featured last week. So it's really kind of like, I don't even know if I'm going to continue the story. So I'll, maybe I'll wait for a trade because one of the reasons why I don't like to buy single issues is once you start to get into the story, you got to buy the next one. And I was like, to hell with that. Yep, and I got I got a couple graphic novels the other day. This is Warship Jolly Roger from brought to us by our friends at Magnetic Press. Actually, I got through the first half. I skimmed through the second half. Love the art, like the premise. Already into this. Well, uh, what I do appreciate is that this is a hardcover, and look at this rounded corners you know that's rounded actually
0: corners. that is actually one of the things that magnetic prided itself on was the physical quality of their of their printings. Oh yes um, I,
1: and it was and I noticed it the, the paper is, is, is a good quality the colors come through fantastic Good writing good story it just this is really'm I'm, I'm into this. This is book one. Tracy and, and, uh,
0: Tracy and I have a number of their books they, they actually also have focused a lot on bringing uh, European comics especially French comics to the states.
1: I think this one is French. So, yeah. and I like Euro I like Euro sci-fi, so this is right. This is basically the premise of this one is a confederation commander is serving a life sentence for war crimes he was forced to commit and during a prison break that goes horribly wrong, he and a bunch of misfits escape and steal his former ship that he renames the Jolly Roger and they just go on like adventures. Yeah. Uh, this is this is my kind of story. It's the Euro sci-fi stuff I love. Yeah, and you then should, I, you should definitely check out some of their other stuff. It's very good. And then I picked up a book series that I thought was long over. It is The Killer from Arcadia Press. This is a uh, Jackman and Max it's about it's a hitman story if like hitman stories which i do like leon the professional john wick this gun for hire from the 40s i have only the odd they're hard to find so i have volume one three and now five it was one of those things where i'm in the store and i see it sitting there and go oh crap this is still in print well i have to get it because i will never see it again so i haven't even cracked it open and read it but uh i enjoyed the what parts i have read i really enjoy so i'm looking forward to going through this one again and really making an effort to track down two and four nice
0: let's see i actually i picked up the first hardcover volume of the collected laurel um valerian and laurel Laureline uh, kind of in preparation for uh, Valerian coming out so I'm excited about that and again me talking Euro Euro sci-fi comics you know very much in the same vein as you know Mobius and a lot of the
1: other stuff I really like so oh yeah I'm excited well you and I are both big fans of that kind of stuff so I want to get my hands on some of those too yeah
0: I got that got delivered this morning so I'm 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 looking forward to cracking that open Uh, I got another Star Wars model too. the they've got the little plastic uh, Bandai models that basically basically go together like Gundams Mm -hmm. and they're really really nice like super detailed I think I put the A-Wing together not a hundred percent together but i put it together in about two or three hours no glue required no paint required and, you know i still got to go back and like do all the the panel lines and stuff on it yeah and that's, that's going to end up in the, the the backlog of stuff i need to do panel lines on because i think i've got four gundams waiting for that too <laughs> but yeah a lot of fun so i got a the rebel snow speeder because oh, cool. i always really like those things
1: i did i did too i'll like, so went... say that speaking of things in the backlog i picked up a solid state drive last weekend and i really want to try and get it installed today
0: do it. It. It's so worth it. I put one in my desktop a couple years ago. Yeah. I, actually, actually, it was when you were living with me. Yeah. And it, it, it used to take five minutes for my computer to boot up. Like I would literally go boot it up and go to the bathroom and come back and it might be done. Right. After I put it in, the computer boots up in under 30 seconds.
1: Yeah. I was playing Total War Warhammer and I had the same problem is that every time you would load a battle, it would take a minute and a half, three minutes. And I could do the same thing. And that got annoying because I play Warhammer. I play Total War to fight the battles. Even though if I know I'm going to win, like real easily right. i just enjoy fighting the battles but i had to use a lot of auto resolve because sometimes you're looking at it going i don't need to fight this one <laughs> you know what i yeah. mean and i didn't like that; it. it just took away from the game so i got a uh was it 960 gig solid state nice uh, it was on sale it was a scan disc i got it for like 270
0: yeah I'm actually looking looking at replacing the uh, the desktop here in the in the not too distant future. So it's like okay, I got to do that with my what, laptop. What uh, what components do I need? My brother in law was actually kind enough to to help me out with some of that. So I've got a he uh, kind of made up a, a list of based on what I uh, what I told him I was looking yeah. for. So
1: I got to do that with this laptop, this Asus laptop. I was warned Asus is not very durable, and uh, they were right. And uh, it was going to cost like six hundred dollars to fix it. And I went, I'm just going to buy a new one. I'm just going yeah, to buy that it. much. Just, yeah, yeah, I'm just going to buy one, just buy a new. So I'm going to get a gaming laptop for, like, I saw one at Best Buy for, like, 650 I was like, oh, oh right there. It's the same, almost the same price yeah. as the repair. And uh, I started playing this game. I think I told you about it, like, last year I got it on sale. It's a war game, and it's kind of like alternate history war games set in, like, the late 70s, 80s, Cold War era. It's called, uh... Yeah, yeah, you told me about it. It's called War Game. Yeah. yeah. Still trying to figure out how they came up with that title. But, you know, some mysteries in this universe will never be uh, solved. It's hard. Let me tell you something. This game is really freaking hard. Like, I'm, I'm playing it on easy in the easy campaign, which is like a Korean War set in 1984. Like, you have to win every battle convincingly or you are not going to win the campaign the way you're supposed to. Like, it will be like some sort of, like, draw or minor victory or, you know puric victory it's game is exceptionally hard yeah. which I am enjoying but I'm like there's four or five campaigns in in red dragon I'm still trying to beat the first one to completion Damn. it's it's tough but if you like 1980s era military stuff it's a fun game yep
0: and then uh i've been mean, kind of finishing up some audiobooks just stuff that i haven't i haven't quite gotten through like i while i was in shift work i started stranger in a strange land mm. on audiobook uh, i've been listening to a star wars book cuz i actually really there's one one guy in particular who does a really good job with star wars books a guy named mark thompson mm-hmm. um, as the the performer and so i've kind of just been like tracking down and listening to whatever he's been whatever he's done uh yeah like, unfortunately the stranger in a strange land the performance is kind of blah oh, yeah. with with the exception of the character jubal Harsh who mm-hmm. who is in large part one of like the centerpieces of that of that book and and he does go on long call them diatribes but like he goes on very long conversation like one-sided conversations yeah so to that extent listening to that character is really nice but all the rest of the characters just start kind of blending
1: together yeah speaking of books i i started back into that napoleon book by andrew roberts yep and i got to the end of his italian his first italian campaign and still really i still enjoy that book it's just a matter of finishing it because it's 800 pages. And a coworker of mine let me borrow. I wasn't able to finish it, but I read like the first couple chapters called um, Vanoa. Have you ever heard of that? Vanoa? No. It was, the, it was the NSA's spy program of the Communist Party in the late 40s, early 50s. Hmm. and this is how they it's really interesting this is how they knew the rosenbergs had stolen the nuclear stuff like they couldn't say how they knew they had to use like other but like they were intercepting diplomatic cables and decoding them and it's written by two guys who basically write since like the mid-90s have been writing books about cold war espionage specifically about the role the communist party played in being a fifth column in the 40s and 50s and it turns out like If you match up the 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 archives that you find in the old Soviet files with now the recently declassified American NSA stuff, it's pretty clear that that it is it's just kinda it seems at least according to these guys, it seems pretty clear that the American Communist Party was part of one of their things they did was, was spy on the United States and acted as a as a espionage wing for the Soviet Union for a period of time. Which like it, they make a point in the book where they're like, "Yeah, McCarthy was crazy. You know, Joe McCarthy was crazy and did said all sorts of false things. The problem is, some of the things he said was true. He just didn't. mixed it up with not true things. Right? And didn't it, and didn't know it and couldn't
0: didn't know it and couldn't prove it.
1: Right. But this is like the, the these are the declassified files from the NSA on how they how they knew these things. So yeah, it, it was
0: it's a, it's funny you were saying that just only because I was thinking as soon as you started saying that I was like, hmm, McCarthyism.
1: Yeah. No, that was the thing is like they mentioned it in the first couple of chapters and they're like. The problem was he was mixing falsehoods with truths and the credi- his credibility was completely shot. And then like historically, because you and I think of McCarthyism and there's all these books and movies on how wrong he was, no one took a moment to realize that some of the crap he was saying was true, not because he, he was right. It was because other people were doing their job properly.
0: Well, I mean, it's the it's the old phrase. Even a blind squirrel finds a nut.
1: Yeah, or a broken clock is right twice a day, or something like
0: yeah, that. Yeah, it's something to yeah. Any any of and those.
1: I, and to be fair, I didn't finish the book. I read the first couple <laughs> chapters, which were kind of like good books do overviews of their book in the first couple chapters and lay out their case. And, yeah. Uh, so if anyone is interested in. Cold War era espionage, th- these, these books would be kind of like right up your alley. Yep. All right,
0: folks, if you like what we do, make sure you head on over to geek.com. Check out our blog posts and our podcasts. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can find this podcast and other podcasts like on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Stitcher. Burr, burr, burr. So once again, I'm Andrew. I'm Deuter. And you've been listening to Therefore I Geek.